You're listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. Hey, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update on social media. Thanks, as always, for joining us this week. A lot going on. War in Ukraine. I've got some commentary on that and some information the media is withholding from you in order to protect the Biden administration. Uh, A new Supreme Court nominee from President Biden that raises some troubling questions. And on top of that, we have new documents from a federal agency uh, highlighting the crazed CRT uh, agenda that is being used to harass and divide Uh, federal employees and frankly abuse tax dollars. First up is the invasion of Ukraine by Russia. I'm old fashioned when it comes to uh, assigning blame to uh, military conflict. I blame the aggressor. In this case, obviously, the blame is on Putin, who is engaged in this unprovoked act of aggression, as President Biden has said. Uh, We should, though, as Americans, take heed of the international situation that encourage Putin to take this outrageous act in invading uh, Ukraine and causing one of the most serious crises in Europe in 60 some odd years. Uh, This crisis is erupted in part because of Western fecklessness. Is that the right word? Fecklessness. Uh, The corruption of uh, Europe and the United States, the corruption of the Biden administration, the odd priorities here in America that uh, puts national security and strength second to ideological obsessions, especially in the military with CRT and uh, the crazed focus on anything but warfighting in the military. And of course, we have Biden's personal corruption issues. You know, one of the things the media won't tell you about that I've been trying to inform you about is the corruption that I believe has encouraged Putin to take this outrageous act. And again, I blame Putin, but I also want to hold accountable our government for its incompetence, and corruption that helped create the opportunity here for Biden, uh, for Putin uh, to take. And uh, you know, look, let's take a let's go back before I start talking about Biden personally or Biden administration generally. Let's take a step back. I want you to consider the trillions of dollars we've spent on our national defense, on our foreign policy initiatives, on foreign aid in Europe and elsewhere on our national security establishment, the CIA, the NSA, et cetera. Think of the trillions that we've just spent even only in the last 20 years or so, all of which were designed to prevent the exact situation that we're facing today. This unprovoked war, this war of aggression by Russia in the heart of Europe. And I don't know where it's going to lead, uh, but these are dangerous times. And we spent all of this money to prevent this type of activity by Russia in terms to ensure the security of Europe generally and to um, avoid warfare. And it failed. And our deep state has failed miserably in that regard. Specifically with respect to Joe Biden, as I highlighted to you last week, uh, we have these personal corruption issues that I'm sure has led Putin to view the America, uh, America as a weakened, corrupt entity that is not to be taken seriously. He has seen what we have seen 
The media won't talk about it, but you know about it, which is the uh, activities of Hunter Biden in Russia. The uh, Yes, in Russia. Remember, he got money from the wife of a deceased oligarch of, uh, of Russia. I think three and a half million dollars was transferred to one of his entities. And of course, he had that deal with Burisma. And Burisma, as I pointed out, uh, is a Ukrainian company that is Russia centric. So the Russians had uh, the Biden family um, in their back pocket in some respects. Now, do you think Putin wasn't aware of that? And on top of that, we had the Ukrainian government being used as a plaything by the deep state in trying to get Trump, trying to attack Americans, uh, which further fed Russia propaganda that Ukraine was a tool of the United States. And the reckless disregard uh, for the sovereignty of Ukraine uh, by the mandarins at the State Department, like Ambassador Yovanovitch and folks like that, have helped precipitate this. Remember, just over two years ago, Judicial Watch uncovered that the Obama, excuse me, the uh, administration, or it was the Trump administration, actually, was the State Department run by Ambassador Yovanovitch, the same crew that tried to uh, impeach Trump for highlighting the very issues I'm talking about. What, the, what were they doing in, in the Ukrainian embassy, our embassy in, in Ukraine? Monitoring and spying on American citizens by monitoring their social media posts, contrary to federal privacy law, about what people were saying about Ukraine, Biden Burisma, the Clinton campaign, Soros, who was another big player in Ukraine in terms of the uh, using Ukraine as a plaything for an ideological agenda. And they were tracking the social media posts of people like President, uh, the president's lawyer, Rudy Giuliani, Fox News personalities like Sean Hannity, Ingram, Laura Ingram, and, and Lou Dobbs, uh, Jack Posobiec, uh, who else? John Solomon, the president's son. So that's what our embassy was doing in Ukraine. Rather than doing their work, they were doing spy operations against their political opposition here at home. And we're surprised that Putin saw the, this, you know, takes a look at this corruption. They, he knew what was going on. And this is the unhappy result, the deadly result of our incompetence and our corruption here. And, you know, I blame Putin. To be clear, I blame Putin. But Putin is reacting to the opportunities that are presented to him, and he makes calculations based on what he is seeing here in America and elsewhere. And he's seeing a corrupted administration whose uh, uh, chief executive, the president of the United States, has been compromised ethically by his sons and his own involvement in shakedown operations in Ukraine and elsewhere. And you think he's, he obviously has not been intimidated by anything Biden has said. And we have to ask, why is that? Why is that? So I don't know what we're going to do about Ukraine. I don't have the solution other than, um, you know, policy wise, uh, we have to recognize that the green energy agenda is a threat to our national security. So to the degree we are more energy dependent, either here or in Europe on Russia, obviously that makes it harder to confront uh, Russia aggression. 
And the reason that we are more dependent on Russia energy is because, especially in Europe, they've curtailed their own domestic energy production, uh, again, pursuing this extremist green agenda. Same here at home, where the United States government is going to war against energy producers in a way that makes us more dependent on outside sources of energy as opposed uh, to the tremendous wealth of energy that we have here at home that can be exploited uh, by our own people. So we've got this corruption crisis that's metastasized into this international security crisis. Uh, and, uh, you know, we have to call it as we see it. But the media doesn't want to talk about it. They're, the Republicans don't even want to talk about it. So I, I, Judicial Watch is going to continue to investigate the Biden corruption with respect to Ukraine and Russia and China and everywhere else. The Biden family has leveraged Joe Biden's power office improperly for personal uh, financial advantage. And, and not just something that is distasteful, something that potentially is illegal uh, in terms of misuse of public office and hiding resources and monies that have come in. Because right now there's a criminal investigation of Hunter Biden into conduct that, according to public available evidence from his laptop and other witnesses uh, implicates his father. And yet there's been no special counsel. So I tell you, if, if we had held accountable the Biden administration from the get-go, we might have had a different result. And if we had understood, and I mean we generally, because the media has been corrupted, but we, we, we must understand the impeachment of Donald Trump is as important to what's happening in Ukraine today as anything else. Because as I said, Trump knew what was going on and he wanted to stop it. And his punishment was, you can't expose Obama, Biden, Clinton corruption and Ukraine's role in that. It's so terrible, we have to impeach you over it and destroy you. That's how desperate they were. So uh, put that in your proverbial pipe, uh, pipe and smoke it as you consider the current crisis in Ukraine. Let's pray for uh, uh, the innocents who are losing their lives and those who are bravely defending themselves against this monstrous act of aggression by Putin. Uh, but let's not be naive that uh, uh, we put Ukraine in this position in part, and now the consequences are, are for Ukraine to reap. And as our corrupt political class uh, looks on with virtually no accountability, but from Judicial Watch. Next up, we have the results of the president's uh, search for the Supreme Court uh, uh, nominee to fill the slot of Justice uh, Stephen Breyer, who is retiring. He has nominated uh, Justice Katanji uh, Brown Jackson. Uh, she is a, uh, a appellate court judge in Washington, D.C. She had been a district court judge before that. And prior to that, uh, she was essentially a, a left wing lawyer, uh, an activist lawyer. So uh, he has uh, cowed out to his radical extremist base and uh, nominated a judicial activist. Now, I could go through her records and all of all of her, her, her record on the court and her record outside the court, but she's a judicial activist. She's a left-wing judicial activist who will likely reliably vote for um, uh, uh, judicial decisions by the Supreme Court 
uh, that are more about legislating from the bench as opposed to applying the law and fairly applying the Constitution of the United States. So that's the concern, and that should be the concern that the Senate has as they consider her nomination. They should be prepared to reject her nomination if uh, my analysis here bears it out. But also disturbingly, her nomination is the result of a unprecedented, at least in the modern era, uh, decision by Joe Biden to engage in sex and race discrimination in selecting his nominee to the court. He made it clear he was only going to appoint a black female to the bench. And so that resulted in black males being refused consideration, white males being refused consideration, white females being refused discrimination uh, uh, consideration, Asian females being refused consideration. So we have this unprecedented abuse of authority by the president, whether it's legal or not. I think it's an open question. Certainly it's immoral and ethical and anti-constitutional to select a justice for the highest court in the land. So you have this, what I call a CRT approach to the Supreme Court nomination process that almost necessarily required discrimination by those involved. So what the Senate in the least should do is investigate what Biden did here. Did he, using government resources, engage in race and sex discrimination? That should be the subject of a Senate investigation and should be clarified before uh, Jackson is allowed to even get a vote. Now, the Republicans are going to be hesitant to do that, right? Because that's hard work. And they might be called bad words by the dishonest left that engages in race and sex discrimination. And then when someone complains about it, call you a racist and a sexist for complaining about it. They're already doing that. But I'm not going to back down. And if you're concerned about this issue, you need to call your senators at 202-224-3121 and explain what you think what the Senate should do. And I'm of the position uh, that the sort of justice that the left would demand from Biden can't be on the Supreme Court. That's my personal view. Now, the Senate's got to make their own decision there, but don't let them fool you that uh, that this is this does not have consequences. Are they going to vote for a justice who will steal our ability to govern ourselves by wrongly taking up power that the judiciary doesn't have, which is to legislate from the bench as opposed to apply the law. So these are serious issues. And the Republicans also don't want you to know that technically speaking, they can practically make it impossible for just uh, for uh, President Biden to get his Supreme Court nominee through. How would that work? I'll give you the detail as best I understand it. Uh, Because the Senate is 50-50, under Senate rules, the the committee uh, can only move the nominee out, the Judiciary Committee, with a majority vote of the people there. So if the committee is split in half, which it is currently, uh, they can't move the nominee out. And in order for the nominee to be moved and considered by to the floor, they would need 67 votes. So when they tell you a majority vote could get her appointed, that's not necessarily true. Because if the Republicans are opponents of this nominee, because there could be Democrats who don't like her, 
stand together and refuse to move her out of committee and at least give the majority to the committee to move her out, it would trigger this 67 vote requirement. Big deal, huh? So there are going to be some who tell you that there's nothing you can do. We can we could use this opportunity to educate as opposed to protect the court and protect our system from judicial activism. Uh, and I can tell you that, that if, if the Republicans had their act together and if there were some uh, Democrats like Joe Manchin or others who might oppose her, uh, she could be stopped. So uh, I encourage you to, uh, again, repeatedly communicate with your senators about what your views are and also communicate with Mitch McConnell's office about what your views are. So you should call your home state senators and you should call Mitch McConnell's office because he's the leader of the Republicans. And I think uh, Chairman Grassley is uh, the current Judiciary Committee chairman. So call his office. So, you know, call around, let your views be known. But what, you know, it's only the Constitution. So I, I kind of think it's important, don't you? So you can bet that Judicial Watch will be educating the public and the Senate about the danger, dangers of judicial activism. Uh, and um, I think uh, it would be the more people who call to let their views be heard, the better, because you can bet the left is going to be organizing uh, and you can bet uh, uh, they will be calling. So you should have your views heard as well by the United States Senate. Next up, we've gotten some new documents under the Freedom of Information Act from the uh, Consumer Financial Protection Board, which is a monstro- another monstrosity of a federal agency that talks about microaggressions, which which is really left wing and ins- insanity that's designed to divide us in, uh, in by invoking racism in everyday innocent uh, work and personal interactions. And what I'm going to do is uh, highlight for you the document. Well, I'm going to wait for a second to highlight the document. So we had asked for documents from the agency, essentially about CRT. Give us documents about what uh, that show CRT related training, critical race theory training, which again, critical race theory, uh, the left like like you to pretend that, uh, that it's just something that happens in law schools. No, it, as applied in the government and in HR departments, it presumes everyone who is not a minority is an oppressor and everyone who is a minority is a victim and they should all act as if that's the case. And that innocent comments and interactions that have nothing to do with race should be interpreted as part of systematic racism. And it's essentially Marxist in point in, in, in attitude and approach and seeks to overturn the American system because they think the American system is inherently racist and needs to be re- remade from the bottom up. And you see that in their analysis of what they call microaggressions, as I said, which are innocent comments that are translated into symbols of racism and oppression or sexism and oppression. And I'm going to call up the document and share it with you. Let's see if I can give me a second here. Share screen. And let me find the document. Here it is. Share. Okay, so this is the document. And uh, it's from the CFPB, you can see. And it talks about, this is, I I scrolled down to the page, where it talks about microaggressions. 
microaggressions, according to the leftists running the CFPB who created this document. Again, your tax dollars at work. Let me get this. Uh, let me get this thing here. Verbal and nonverbal behaviors. So nonverbal behaviors can be racist. Communicate negative, hostile, and derogatory messages to people rooted in their marginalized group membership based on gender, race, ethnicity, religion, sexuality, etc. Occur in everyday interactions, can be intentional or unintentional, are often unacknowledged, are often less obvious in nature and more subtle. So you got to realize you're being very subtle here in your racism than outright discriminatory assault, such as using racial epithets and displaying swastikas. And these can easily turn into unlawful discrimination or harassment. And so uh, and they talk about stereotypes being the basis of it. And then they have these weird pictures of alleged stereotypes that are thrust upon people of color and marginalized groups. So here, here you are. This is, this is the victimization of fellow Americans and the, by other Americans who are their oppressors. This is our government at work. And then they have this crazy cartoon description of what microaggressions are, and they give examples. Where are you from? No, I don't mean New York City. I mean, where are you from? Wow, you speak good English. What are you? You're so interesting looking. Well, that translates according to the the message that's received. You are not American. Your ethnic racial identity makes you exotic. You don't belong here. You're a perpetual foreigner in your own country. You have a doctorate. So the assumption is, according to the left, if you ask things like that, people of color are not as intelligent as white people. Of course, they capitalize white, which is racist, interrupting a person of color in a meeting. Here's what I think. So that's racist to say, to, quote, interrupt someone who is of the wrong race or marginalized group is potentially racism. Also racist is everyone can succeed in society if they work hard enough. So the work ethic is racist. They also think it's racist to say there is only race, one race, the human race. When it comes to race, I'm in colorblind. So when you say that you're colorblind and that you treat people equally, you're being racist. And that you're, quote, expected to assimilate to the dominant culture and that you're denying a person's race and ethnic experience, denying the individual as a racial cultural being. So if you're against racism, you're racism. I am not a racist. I have several black friends. Well, that's racist. Don't blame me. I never owned slaves. That's racist. All lives matter. That's racist. As a woman, you, I know what you go through as a racial minority. I guess a woman is in a marginalized group. Ignoring systemic racism, such as police interactions. That's what you're saying when you say all lives are matter. I am immune from race to racism because I have friends of color. I mean, I mean, this is just crazy talk. 
Don't you agree? Asking someone, why are they so quiet? Don't you have any thoughts to share? Why are you, why have to be so loud? Just calm down. Why do you always have to talk about your culture at work? Well, first of all, who says that anyway? And why do you have to be so loud or at it? I mean, that's racist to say, why are you being so loud? Or why are you being so quiet? Obviously, that's not racist, but that's what they say. So I can go on so forth and so on with this. Calling 911 when you see someone, a black man, again, capitalized, which is racist, selling cigarettes outside my building. So someone seeing someone engaged in illegal activity, calling someone a Calling the police on criminal activity is racist. This is your tax dollars at work. These these juvenile looking the consequences of microaggression, anxiety, depression, sleep difficulties, diminished confidence, helplessness, loss of drive, weight loss. I mean, it sounds like COVID. Damage to professional relationships, lack of concentration at work, looking for other jobs. I tell you what, when you traumatize individuals, I'm going to shut this down because this is driving me crazy here. So you can see though that document. You can get the full document on our internet site at judicialwatch.org. But I don't know about you. I don't want taxpayer dollars being used to propagandize this racist, sexist Marxism on are federal employees. The CFPB is a major government agency that regulates, you know, frankly, in an over-the-top way. It's an Obama-era created agency. Consumer loans, and, you know, I'm not a fan of the deep state, but civil servants shouldn't be abused with this racist claptrop that is divisive, that treats uh, uh, certain individuals as inherently racist because of the color of skin and others as inherently victimized because of the color of their skin. I want to treat people as human beings, not as cogs in the left wing. You, you know, it, it, it's like it, it's it's so demeaning to everyone involved. And, you know, we're, we're concerned about the rising communists abroad, uh, communism abroad. Well, what about the communism here at home? This is all, again, repackaged Marxism. It's in our schools. It's in our military. It's in our corporations. And it's in our federal agencies like this. And Judicial Watch is front and center in exposing this, suing to get access to the information, getting information from whistleblowers. I mean, it's bad enough this sort of garbage is being given to adults. This is similar to what children are being forced to learn in too many schools across the country. Happening in our military, too. And, of course, we're defending with civil rights lawsuits those who were targeted and abused and fired by school districts for opposing this type of thing. So we're not only exposing it, but we're defending those being victimized by this uh, crazed Marxist agenda that brooks no opposition. And I encourage you to share as much as you can uh, about not only this document, uh, but the other material we've been able to uncover from schools and other places across the land documenting um, the uh, racist, sexist, as I say, Marxist agenda that's at odds with our anti-discrimination law and anti-constitutional 
And so Judicial Watch will continue to fight, and I encourage you to help us fight. At By going to our website, you can donate at judicialwatch.org and get the word out. So with that, I bid you farewell, and I'll see you here next week on the Judicial Watch Weekly Update. Thanks for listening to the Judicial Watch Weekly Update with Tom Fitton. For more information, visit www.judicialwatch.org because no one is above the law.